All right, so we're back now. Um, Miss Lewis, let's just jump right into it. Uh, how do you um, support your husband during the journey of raising children? I mean, tell us about that. Um, I always felt like it was me and him against the world. And, you know, in a marriage, that's what it should be. We are one. So that's how we kind of presented ourselves um, to the children. As I said, um, it was actually uh, two children by two different women. Mm -hmm. So um, I knew that they had their own mothers and I tried to explain to them, hey, I'm not here to replace them but we are one in this household and helping support him it was that team effort they knew that I didn't keep anything from him um and you know supporting backing his decisions you know his disciplinary actions um when I spoke to him if something came up and I knew about it first we would talk about it when I saw that he actually was, was disciplining one son more than the other, um, I pulled him aside and I said, hey, they were both at fault. Again, it was about us having that united front. But I supported his decision, but I also would call him out when I thought that something wasn't right. Um, and I think he appreciated that. I, and I said that because in the long run, you know, kids will grow up and they can recognize or sense if they are being treated differently and not understand why. Mm. It could be for a number of reasons of why they're being, why they would feel that way. But if it's not addressed, then that can have some later psychological and or, you know, behavioral issues, not only in the family, but in the schools and wherever, because they're not feeling that level of love and respect from their parents. So it's already one thing, one challenge that they are coming from a blended, you know, blended family. But it's the fact of being, letting them know that I love and support them. I love and support my husband. So we are going to be one family, one team, one unit. Well, did you ever have times where they, you know, try, they tested that? Um, I don't think they ever tried to test me. They gave me the ultimate respect. And I think it's because, you know, I'm a, a very calm spirit. I don't come in there yelling, screaming, sure. you know, staying on top of them. And, and what I did tell them, I said, um, you know, I'm not here. Your father definitely will discipline you. You know, it was if I had an issue, I told them that I would bring sure. it up. Right. Um, and part of that was because. Um, you know, we had to have that agreement with the other mothers as well. You know, sometimes it could be a sticky situation, um, but based on his relationship with the other mothers, it was best that, you know, any type of disciplinary actions were to come from him. But they knew that I was going to speak to him if, you know, something came about. But I never, I was very fortunate. These boys were actually great around me. They respected me. Um, They helped me. I got them involved in things. It was that, you know, healthy competition as boys, you know, let's say for a chore. I'm like, let's break the leaves. I bet you I can do it faster. You know, it was healthy competition and fun as opposed to go outside and do the leaves. You know what I mean? It was, it was different. I would be involved with them. So again, I was still trying to promote that, that one unit that we're all together. Let's all do something together um, and share responsibilities. It's not, you know, I don't just have two people to 
do the work for me around the house. No, you, that's not what this is. We're going to work together. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no slave labor here. So let's, let's all work together. But I think that they felt a part of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they appreciated that. So, and my, I know my husband, he appreciated the fact that I supported him, even with his challenges. Um, what I did tell him was that as challenges come to him, like I said, if it had to deal with the other mothers, he had to be open and honest and let me know as well. So I would know how to best support him. Wow. So. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, today we have many... I call it various situations. I've uh, talked to people where they both had children from different relationships and the two of them were coming together. And, you know, they wanted to have children. So there's really so many different dynamics out there. Um, You have, as we talked about, you have single parents. You have both parents there. You have even um, grandparents Absolutely. Aunts, uncles who are the mentors, who are the guardians um, today. So, yeah, you know, we're talking about everyone. And something you said about your parents, they worked and um, you guys were at the house. And I can personally say, now I was raised by a single parent and my mother, she had two boys. And we were what you would call latchkey parents. Now, at the time, you know, we always saw our mother early in the morning before she would go to work. We had chores to do. Uh, One of the rules was when you got home from school, you didn't let anybody in the house. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And how did that work out? (laughs) Well, that worked out well because we didn't. Now, we were allowed to go over a friend's house. Because his mm-hmm. mother didn't have that rule. And they lived, we lived in the inner city, so they lived around the corner. Okay. And um, sometimes I would go, sometimes my brother, he would stay home and watch TV or do whatever at the time. But um, that was one of the rules she had. You couldn't go out of the house until your chores were done. And there was this, there was nothing like, um, let's say if we were supposed to clean our room, you know, your room is half clean. And she gets home. Half clean means not clean at all. There you go. <laughs> okay. Not to her standards. See? No, exactly. And that's the mm-hmm. difference. It was what was the standard of responsibility that we had to adhere to in the house. And I'll tell you, see, one of the things with me that I learned, uh, see, you grow up. And when you leave home, you walk away thinking, well, everyone has at least this level of standards. Mm. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Correct. So, you know, when I left home, went to college, uh, had roommates later in life, and you you see, you know, it it can be very eye-opening. But again, you know, that's one of the things about the world uh, the complexity of people and also sometimes the dysfunction where someone can you know get used to filth or you have someone who they call it a OCD where everything has to be in order in place because of a background they were from mm-hmm. or, you, or you have you know the famous show they have about uh, hoarders 
Yeah. You know, if you were around someone, for example, who they moved every, my gosh, 10 times a year. And as many stories I've heard, they say sometimes they had to move in the middle of the night. So you just grab whatever you can because you don't know if you're going to have it again. So you, you hoard things as you get older. So yeah, it, it's very complex. Well, wow, I, I'm so glad that you uh, you spoke about that with the boys. Let's uh, let's go back to uh, the positive role models. Um, I know many, um, and I want you to deal with you know from the female side. Many females will say, well, my role model is Beyonce, and you know I dance like Cardi B. You know she's really popular. <laughs> things like that um and not only the 15 year olds are saying that but i've seen them as old as 40 maybe 60 share with us um about that so again like i said earlier it it just really depends on what resonates with you if if i'm aspiring to dance like beyonce or perfect my craft at dancing and i look to her uh, to teach me certain things. Now, mind you, I don't know Beyonce personally, so I can't talk to her about how she got there, what her struggles were. You know, I wouldn't have that level of engagement. So, would I necessarily consider her a role model? Sure. I maybe not. I might not. Okay. Because because I don't know what she went through. What if she had to do things that I don't approve of with my values and morals to get where she's at? I don't know that. Well, some say, hey, that's what I got to do. I got to do what I got to do to get where I'm at. But do they know what she had to do? Well, they saw her documentary, so of course. I feel like when you watch documentaries and stuff like that, they tell you what they want you to know about them. Did she talk about, did she discuss that infamous fight scene of Solange and Jay-Z in the elevator? I don't think so. Okay. She didn't talk about that. So that could have been, it was presumed to be a an issue in their marriage, which is why Solange was taken up for her sister. But again, if you say, oh, I want to be like Beyonce, but Beyonce's having marital troubles, is that what you want? <laughs> so again, I feel like you don't know everybody's true story. You don't know all the ins and outs. Even if you have a best friend, you may not share all the intimate details, ups and downs of your marriage. One, it's sacred. You shouldn't. So, exactly, and you shouldn't, exactly. Okay. So again, I don't believe that Beyonce is going to share all of her ins and outs for somebody that she doesn't even know. Mm. So I keep that head, you know, I keep that at the forefront. And so I know this about people because I know this about myself. And some people are very transparent, sometimes too transparent. But again, it depends on what are you really seeking from this person, right? Right, right. So if I'm looking to Beyonce to uh, perfect, you know, I want to say, okay, I want to be a dancer just like Beyonce. Mm-hmm. What is it about her that I really like? The fame, and then that's the look, you know, exactly. All but if you know, if that's if that's all that I want, then sure, I can choose her. But there's plenty of other people. But if, if I selected her, how am I going to get there? Mm-hmm. Okay, if I have to read her book, if I have to, what are you doing to really dig deep to find out those answers? 
sure. You're just looking at what's being portrayed by the media, and we all know that the media can be misleading, it can be contradictory, it can be whatever, but that's all you have. Okay. That's, that's all you have. That's true. Talk a little bit, um, I want you to talk a little bit about integrity, um, that word, what it is and what it's not, and then um, we're going to wrap up with just a few other questions. So, to me, my integrity, it is basically, my word is my bond, okay? Mm -hmm. I stick by everything that I say, and if you can't have that trust in me, if you don't believe that I'm going to follow through, then I'm not going to call on you, right, for anything. Your your credibility with me is shot. Mm. Um, And... As someone who wants to to seek a a real answer from me, again, it may be good, bad, or ugly, but it will be truthful. It will be my truth, okay? It will be, it'll come straight from me. I'm not looking to put on any airs, and I think that's what's highly respected about me is because I'm going to give you that honest truth. So when you tell the truth, do you be uh, shaking your neck and all of that stuff too? No, I don't need to do that. Okay. 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 <laughs> I don't need to, you know, have that extra emphasis or any, you know, theatrics. If I'm trying to be funny or amusing, sure, I can play the part, but it's not necessary to get my point across. Okay, because I've seen, and we talked about this earlier with um, children. I've seen children talk like that to their parents and doing their neck, or even some spouses to the other when they're upset. Well, I think that that's an emotion, and I think that it does not help their argument at all. Or, I mean, you're putting emphasis on it, that translates into an attitude, which again can cause another reaction. And that reaction is less than favorable because it's kind of like, from a parent's perspective, I would see that from a child and, and equate that to disrespect. Okay. You know, with even with two adults, you know, I can also see that as a sign of disrespect because there was no need. I can tell you the same thing without moving my neck, wagging my finger or whatever. I can get my point across to you in the same fashion without doing that. And I think it would be best received if I didn't do that as opposed to if I did that. Mm. I would say also when I see things like that, that is a sign of, like you said, disrespect, but also immaturity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I think honestly, you know, a lot of people see this behavior um, in jest. You know, when you watch movies and stuff, you know, some people think it's funny. You know, they turned it into comic relief yes. when they are when they are quote unquote extra. Yes. You know, in doing that, some may get confused and think that they're going to receive the same response of laughter. Sure, and that's not what it's, you know, it's, it's a time and a place for everything. Absolutely. And like I said, again, children may receive that in a different way, especially if they see their, you know, adults do that. They can see mom and auntie, they can be playing around and doing whatever, and they call each other out of their name and stuff like that, and, you know, how they talk to one another. They see that as acceptable because mommy and auntie are laughing, and when they try to do it, it's not funny, you know? Not at all. So I think that, you know, kids are always watching 
they're not only watching adults, they're watching the TV, they're watching everything. Ooh, and they're good. making it their own norms that's because good. it's acceptable. And, you know, because again, they look at the reaction that is given. And most times it is something that's laughter. Or, you know, even they may see a, a fight scene where somebody mm-hmm. called them out their name and they got smacked or whatever. Sure. So they can see it either way. But again, that is the example that they're seeing. And it's we're leaving it up to the kids to discern when they can and can't do that. Mm. That's deep. That's deep. Wow. All right. Well, let me let me wrap it up here. I, I have just two more questions to ask. Okay. Tell us what the Valerie today would say to the 23-year-old <laughs> Valerie um, if she could go back in time and go directly and talk to her. Valerie today would tell 23-year-old Valerie, one, patience is a virtue. What does um, that mean? It sounds like a, a beautiful cliche. <laughs> explain that to us. So for me, I know that, you know, tomorrow is not promised to any of us, right? Mm -hmm. So being patient and in the moment, stop trying to rush things. Let things just happen naturally and organically. Um, I think, you know, back then I was really trying to do a lot of things. I had several interests and putting my hands into a lot of stuff. Uh, it's like I'm not I'm, I'm not getting anything truly accomplished that I wanted to. So I had to take a step back and be patient and really prioritize things. And I said, you know what? That to me meant so much because then I could really focus my energy and my craft into a couple of things as opposed to just doing so many things that I found myself to be overwhelmed. Um, and I didn't accomplish what I wanted to. Sure, that's so, what they call being busy. Yeah, well, yes. But I had to realize that I did not need to put my hands into everything. Oh, okay. It, it may have not been the time for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was always like, oh, yeah, I can do this, I can do that. But I found, you know, myself burnt out. Then it, it, it turned into me not wanting to do certain things, and I would lose that desire. Right. And it wasn't that I wanted to lose that zeal for something. I wanted to just balance it. And I had to be patient and not expect to shoot straight to the top right away. It takes time. It takes time. Um, And one thing my father used to always tell me, he used to say, Rome wasn't built in a day. And so I had to really sit and digest that, you know, and stop trying to do so many things in in one moment. So was your father, you're telling us, who tapped you on the shoulder, uh, or did he back then and say, hey, you're doing too much, slow down? Or was it some other mentor who, you know, made you become woke where you saw that, hey, I need to slow down? <laughs> Honestly, my body told me I needed to ah, slow down. Ah, very good. Yes, yes, wow. my body told me. My body said, you know what? Okay, you're not 23 anymore, <laughs> number one. But even still, it was more so, um, I still would try to take things on. My mom, she's, she's very keen on that. She says, okay, you're doing a lot. And I say, yeah, I know, I know. And I would feel like, 
I wasn't as productive if I wasn't doing a million things at once. And sometimes I still fall into that rut, but I, I have to bounce back and learn how to say no. Um, and and that, that sometimes is tough for me, but I, I can say no with a caveat, no and. Or, you know, I can give this much of myself, but I can't do, you know, the whole 10 yards of what's being expected. And if that's fine, perfect. But, you know, it's, that, it's learning that balance and being patient because, you know, I, I, I can definitely be patient. I would find that. That's, that's good. That's good. Um, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, because a lot of people need to hear that. Because, again, if you, we don't slow down sometimes, yes, our bodies will make us. Okay. Absolutely. One final question here. Um, I'm, I'm getting this from the audience. Someone, what do you say to someone who says, um, I've had four kids out of wedlock and I'm looking for love. Is it too late for me? You know, Valerie, I got needs. <laughs> oh, do they now? <laughs> they need love too. It's it's never too late for love, and it depends on what do they equate love to be for them. And love looks different to many people. Sometimes love is just companionship. You know, it goes back to. What are their needs? Is it just physical? Is it mental? Is it, you know, what is it? And some people, they'll tell you, yes. I mean, you have, you said, these, in that scenario, they have four kids out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Is, is it even their goal to get married? Do they want that marriage? Okay. Or are they just looking for a fun time? Okay. So to me, I will say, they have to truly understand what love is to them, okay? Because that makes all the difference. And again, it, it's very situational and circumstantial to the person because love looks different. Even if you are married, love looks different from you and your spouse. Absolutely. It, I, I mean, I tell you, the older I get, uh, I'm just realizing more and more that human beings are complicated. Absolutely. And not only Absolutely. we're not only complicated, but um, I was sharing with someone earlier, and that is this here. It has been proven through history today across the world when we talk about people that when my life, when a person is not submitted to the Holy Spirit, mankind will seek to dominate one another. Mm-hmm. You know, we, okay. we've seen that in the history of this country, if we talk about slavery, but even not only slavery, think about it, um, slavery of black people, but you had that same injustice happen with Native American Indians. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why it didn't work with the Native Americans because, I mean, they were dying out from the brutality um, that was happening. And so you've had that and you see that all over the world. I believe it's in Australia where uh, the British um, almost wiped out the Aborigines. And all of this is a part of history. So I say that why... It is so important for 
people, if you are a believer, to learn how to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit for your life. Because, again, we're talking about fathers and mentors, and I say that because, see, what's happening in Miss Valerie's house, the same thing may be happening in my house, but I need wisdom on how to handle it correctly for my house. I can't say, um, well, do this to someone else because this worked for me. That is a, that's not necessarily a fix for everything. So, you know, that's, this, it's very important to understand that. And I'm learning that more and more because anytime I read the Bible, and again, we're talking about biblical principles for living. I'm going to tell you, I am at this age, I've been a believer for over 40 years. And at this stage in my life, I feel as though I'm just learning a whole lot of things that it just blows my mind. Let me give you an example. In the Bible, when I read my Bible, the only phrase I can say right now about God is that God does not make sense. What do I mean by that? Well, he'll tell a man named Noah in the book of Genesis to build the boat because he's going to destroy the earth with a flood. It takes Noah over 50 years to build a boat. And out of 50 year, over 50 years, and you're telling people it's going to rain, God's going to destroy um, because of the wickedness of mankind, you can't even get 10 people to come into the boat. Now, if you don't have faith and what's, what God told you, <laughs> Right. You gotta have that faith. I mean I mean you can't even get ten people. We we don't read the ten people that said, you know what, no, I think I'm gonna change my life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just one example. It's like, okay, God, you'll tell a man to build the boat. And I don't believe it caught God by surprise that ten people wouldn't even get into the boat. No. We see animals have more sense to go <laughs> to the boat. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're right. Another example where uh, I say God doesn't make sense is, and I was just studying this principle the other day. Um, I was meditating on it. Do you realize when Jesus started his earthly ministry, he picked 12 men. Not one of them was a rabbi, a Bible teacher, or anything like that. So he's investing in men. This is, this is what the Bible means by faith. That means I'm trusting God even when I don't see what I'm hoping for yet. So he's investing in 12 men for three to three and a half years of his life with something called the message of the kingdom. Okay? He, th- these men aren't... St- didn't tell anyone, well, come to Jesus, come to my church, because Jesus saved. Jesus demonstrated for three years a whole new way of sharing the Father's mission, his Heavenly Father's mission with mankind. What did Jesus do? 
he fellowshiped and he had connections with people who didn't look like him. He, uh, again, he picked 12 men who weren't deacons, pastors, whatever, and he trained them. And then when it was all over, he sacrifices his life for humanity. And one of those guys is a guy by the name of Peter who denied he even knew the guy, knew Jesus. And the Bible records, I believe it's in the book of Mark, you guys check me out, that Peter went back to what he was doing before he met Jesus. Well, what was that? He had a a fisherman's uh, business. Scripture tells us he was a fisher, not a fishing man. That's two different things. But he had a business. He had hired servants. Him and his father worked the business. And he went right back to what he was doing after Jesus was dead. You know, some may think, okay, well, that was a nice three years. And some may say, okay, well, wait, God made a mistake because you just invested in this guy and now he's not even showing up. But the story doesn't end there. Peter goes back to what he was doing. And Peter gets a visit from an angel who says this here. Um, Jesus just wants you to know, I want you to go to the place I told you I'm going to meet you at after I die. And the scripture says this here, it says, go tell Peter and the disciples I'll meet them there. Now, catch this, and this is what I say, things that just, God is just amazing. The question is, why, why would you have to say, go tell the disciples and Peter, because Peter was already a disciple. He was already one of the twelve. Well, I believe in one thing I get from that, it's not that someone forgot that Peter was a disciple or he had been dismissed from being a disciple, but sometimes God will call your name and speak to you directly. I don't care if you're in the home alone or if you're standing in a crowded room and you'll know he's talking to you, that you're still loved. No matter how many times you messed up, how many times you denied him, he still has faith in you, so he'll speak to you. I believe that, people. So, Miss Lewis, are you still with us? I am still with you. Okay, okay. Hey, thank you so much for uh, doing this. Um, any Thank last you. or final words you want to say before we end? I would like to say thank you once again for having me on and uh, to say God bless everyone who's listening and to continue to keep strong in your faith and press towards the goal. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of your evening. Good night. You too. Good night. Good night.